Good morning. Hey, Captain and oh yeah, I want to come into this table. So far away, I'm nearsighted. I can't see y'all. And y'all back row Baptist back there, don't be hiding behind those babies. <laughs> Please turn to Matthew chapter 13. I've talked to you about this before, but you need to hear it again. Matthew 13. Verses 44 through 46. Catherine Hale, will you read that? 1344 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all they could have and bought it. Okay, thank you. Okay, these are two very short parables. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. And then the second one, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So the, the two parables are actually very similar. Both involve finding something of great value. The first man seems to have found it without looking for it. He stumbled upon it. The second man actually found it after having searched for it. And then the response of both of them is the same. They both sell everything in order to get it. So let's look at each one. Verse 44, the man found it and covered it up. So if we think about the, in the ancient world, there's not going to be a Chase Bank on the corner, right? There were some money exchangers that we read about in the Bible, right? There are people um, who had set up shop near the temple. Jesus was upset about this, the money changers. But formal banks like we have now did not exist, and they definitely wouldn't be as safe. And oftentimes people would bury things of high value. If they're going to go away for a while, they would bury it somewhere and come back and get it when they got back. And nobody would know where it was except for them. Well, so imagine a man has treasure, he buries it in a field, he decides to go on a voyage across the Mediterranean, the ship sinks, the man is dead, the treasure is in the ground buried, nobody even knows where he buried it. In some cases, nobody even looked for it because they don't even know there is a treasure. The parable speaks like this. this. This man 
finds it and covers it up. It's in a it's in a field, hidden. Like something that was lying under the ground, something of very great value, a vast treasure hoard that nobody knew was there. And this man finds it and he says, I've got to buy this field because I want the treasure that's in the field. The scripture says, then in his joy, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Why is he so happy? Gonna get a horrendous or an incredible ROI. The treasure, right? Even selling. Now think about that. It took me a second to understand what you're saying, Edward. ROI, return on investment. Um, the if you think about this, it says he sold everything in order to buy it. Like, this is a commitment, right? It, it, you might invest money in stuff, even a lot of money in certain things that you believe in, but would you sell every single thing that you had and put it all, like, all the chips into one thing? It's pretty risky, or potentially risky. But he found a sure thing. Yes. In joy, he's like, this is an easy decision. The value of the treasure is worth way more than everything that I have. In joy, he sold all that he had and bought the field because he wanted to take possession of the treasure. He wanted to take possession of it. It seems as though he wasn't looking for it initially. Which a man found and covered up. I'm not sure if he was actually, I mean, how would you search for treasure, hidden treasure in the field? Just dig random holes? It'd be kind of weird. Seems though he found it without initially looking for it. But upon finding it, he's all in. And then 45 and 46, this guy, he's actually, he's actively looking for things that are of high value. He is a merchant in search of fine pearls, who in finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. And this is similar, right? The value of the pearl is worth more than everything that he has. And, and it's a worthwhile investment. He um, has been searching for things like this, but this is like, Wow. Selling everything. So let's think about this practically. So what's the pearl? What's the treasure? In the in the the kingdom of heaven, right? What does Jesus mean by that? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price. What is he trying to say? It's really valuable, but in what way? It's not. It's not a trick question. It's worth giving up everything. Yes. The point is that 
these things that they found were valuable. So valuable that whatever you had before, you should give it up in order to acquire it. So Jesus, if Jesus is saying this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, he's saying whatever you're currently pursuing, whatever you currently have, you should trade it in for the kingdom of heaven. If you find the pearl of great price, you should sell everything and buy it. If you find the hidden treasure, you should buy that field so that you can possess the treasure. Um, you know, sometimes the Bible will interpret it for us. The disciple will go, what, Jesus? What? We don't understand. And then he'll explain it to them, which is good because we wouldn't understand some of them either. In this case, it seems pretty clear. Um, and sometimes the old, the old um, divines, you know, like John Gill and people like this, Matthew Henry, they will try to define each piece of the parable. And and I, I don't know if I say this is the right word. Super spiritualize it and make it represent things that is unclear in the parable. You know what I'm saying? Like the pearl is Christ and the field is the world. And maybe, but we can't know that from the parable itself. What the parable, the point of it is that the kingdom of God is worth a lot. How much? Everything you have. Even though you can't buy it, you should get up, give up everything in order to get it. It's sort of like when Jesus says, if you hold your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll gain it. Kind of doesn't make sense until you realize that he's talking about giving up your life to him, then you actually get real life, better life. Um, any comments so far? Questions? I think I mentioned before, but you know, I, I mean, personally, I get a lot of benefit thinking of it both ways because I can, instead of uh, the person buying the bill, us buying into salvation, you know, Christ buying us, it also means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. So it's not as clear to me as maybe it should be, but um, I can see even the pearl of great price. That's to me that the merchant may be Christ mm -hmm. buying us mm -hmm. versus us. Mm -hmm. I can see it both ways. Mm. That's interesting. Yes. Um, there's also a sort of feeling of urgency with these, like if you find the treasure you want to get the field before someone else does, so mm -hmm. it's sort of like, mm -hmm. don't delay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he finds the treasure, then covers it up, and then hurries to go buy it. That's good, too. That's interesting, Grady. I, I hadn't thought about it that one. I, I can't say that I could say yes or no, but possibly. I'm sure I've heard it. I don't know if it was Barnard or Merle or 
Carver, somebody, I think, had that idea. Mm -hmm. I think he's teaching a general principle, though, that Michael just brought up, that it's valuable and, and urgent. Is he describing what he's going to do or what the, their response to it? Yeah. I could see how you could view it either way. I mean, biblical hermeneutics would say that there's not two valid interpretations. There might be two valid applications, but it has one meaning. I'm not sure what that is um, in relation to that. Is it, is it Christ or us? Um, but it is sort of a paradox, right? You sell what you can't buy. You, or you sell what you have in order to get what you can't buy. And so if we were to if we were to say that okay these are this is describing people who come to know the kingdom of God or hear about the kingdom of God or influenced by the gospel there's examples of this type these two types one who finds it without really looking for it and one that is actively seeking it if you think about the woman at the well she has no intention of meeting anybody to tell her about the kingdom of God. She's just going about her business for the day. And um, she meets Jesus and she finds living water. This seems like a person who was going through a field and found a great treasure. Right? She goes back immediately to town and says, you've got to come meet Jesus. He told me everything I ever did and that he doesn't even know me. He, you know, we can imagine the things she said. He must be a prophet. He, he said he could give us living water. There would be a, a well of living water springing up inside of us. Um, and then we can think about like the Ethiopian eunuch. Right, he, he's not stumbling upon treasure in the field. He's actually looking for it. He's reading the book of Isaiah and trying to figure out the meaning. Because he knows it's important. He knows it it's, means something, and he's trying to find it. He's looking for pearls of value. And then once he understands it, right, what does he say? Well, I should get baptized, like, right now. Which we talked about that before, right? There wouldn't be that many places where you could get baptized in the middle of the desert. And as they're talking and as he's sharing, um, the, the eunuch is coming to understand the gospel, just so happens at that moment they come upon water. And he's like, why can't I get baptized? I, I'm, I want to give up everything to get it. Um, Does this have an application to the ministry of the church? Like, should we look for people who are not looking for the kingdom? Do you understand what I'm saying? There are people who are going to work every day. They're doing their normal duties. They're not looking for a hidden treasure in the field. 
maybe some of you were not looking for hidden treasure in the field. But somebody came to you and told you about the kingdom of God, and then upon learning about it, then you sold everything to get it. Do do any of y'all have that testimony? Nobody? Well, I just think if, if you raise little kids, obviously you have to teach them about it, so they're not necessarily looking for it. Mm-hmm. So. That's true. Yeah, for sure. And and not all kids come to value it, but many do, who are taught from a young age. Yeah. What else y'all want to talk about about this? I think there's a this is this whole kingdom concept. There's a concept of a, a hidden reality that some people don't know about. Like there's this treasure. Mm-hmm. It's right there. It's immediately right there, but they don't even know it's there. Or in the instance of the pearl, you get the idea that he's going to make a really good deal on that, so the guy who's selling it must not know the value that the merchant does. So he's going to get a good deal on this. Mm-hmm. And when I think about Pilate asks Jesus, are you a king then? Mm-hmm. And sort of paraphrase, he's like, yeah, but not like what you think about. My kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my servants would come and fight, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't be able to do this. Mm-hmm. But my kingdom's not from here. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's like, yes, but nobody, a lot of these people don't even know about it. So he was a king. He says, basically, yes, but you can't see it. And so it's, I think a lot of people know there's more than just this. You're, you're a human. I can't, I can't believe in like evolution, just because I've never even seen it, anything about it. Mm-hmm. So something is very special about us. Mm-hmm. And I think most people have an inkling of that, but they don't act on it. It's a lot of Yeah, there's, there's def, people definitely have a, an idea that there's something. It's often misguided or superstitious or something, you know. My grandma, they wear a pin on their lapel. And it's my grandma, it's, she's watching over Something like that. And it's sweet, you know, like, oh, he loved his grandma, you know. But does it actually have spiritual power? Not according to what we read, but but it I think it, it it's evidence that they're aware of at least the possibility there's more than just this. How is she watching over you? She's dead. Well, she's you know in this other place. Are to find pearls and stuff, but um, it just seems like pearl is a strange 
Why wouldn't he say like diamond or, or ruby? I, when I think pearls, I don't think of Israel, you know? So maybe they could get pearls from the Dead Sea. I, I don't know where they get them from, but the next parable is like a fishing parable. So mm -hmm. maybe the fishermen were, they got pearls sometimes. I don't know. But just think it's interesting that pearl was the valuable thing to. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, you can imagine if they're throwing nets, they might capture some things besides fish yeah. and crack them open and occasionally find pearls in them. I don't know about that. The, the guy seems to be a pearl merchant. Like, he trades in pearls. He's looking for them. But, I mean, I could be wrong. I, I'm not sure that the, the thing of value matters. It might say, are you saying it might say more about the investment he was making to find one? Maybe. I, I just think Pearl, as the thing of value, just stands out to me. And, um, yeah, I don't know if that was like, would relate more to the common people than a sapphire or something or yeah. emerald. Well, in your life, how do you value the kingdom of heaven? If you call yourself a Christian, there's some level of, I've sold everything. But what's the level? You know, if somebody asked you about your faith, and they asked you if you're a Christian, would you say, I am kind of. Hopefully you wouldn't say that. You'd say, when I learned about Christ, my whole world changed. I didn't know how to view anything until I knew about the love of God in Christ. You know, by faith we believe that he, God created the world. Also, I think in the two parables, it's not how they found it, I think is of less importance than what they did once they found it. Whatever was required to find it. Once they found it, the reaction is the same. Sell everything. Liquidate the old things in order to get the new. Um, J.C. Ryle said, Men really convinced of the importance of salvation will give up everything to win Christ and eternal life. And again he said, The true Christian is thoroughly persuaded. He comes out of the world, he puts off the old man, forsakes vain companions. Like Matthew, he gives up everything. And like Paul, he counts all things loss for Christ's sake. Um, and we've seen that in Jesus, right? It's a common thing for Jesus to talk about um, the cost of discipleship. Like, if anyone would come after me and deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. It, is that an example of giving up everything or selling everything? Seems like it is. Um, another passage in Luke. 
Therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I don't think this is teaching communism. The point is not that. It's, it has to do with a similar teaching. Jesus said, whoever does not hate his father or mother is not worthy to be my disciple. What? He wants us to hate our parents? No, not that. It's, it's in comparison. Another passage. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The idea is there's a certain value on the relationship between man and God that is way higher than anything else. Remember, Jesus' mom is looking for him, and the brothers are looking for him, and there's a crowd, and they all tell Jesus, your family's outside, they're looking for you. And Jesus says, whoever hears and does the will of God, they are my mother and my brothers. It's as if he's saying, that's not important right now. Cost. And the rich young ruler, you remember that discussion? Jesus told him, one thing you still lack, sell all you have, distribute to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven. Have you ever thought about that? that this rich young ruler is an example of Matthew 13. Upon finding the pearl of great price, he sold all that he had in order to get it. And Jesus is telling the rich young ruler, sell all you have and you'll get it. And he says, it says he went away sad because he was a man of great wealth. So he encountered the treasure, but in the, at least in what we have recorded, he was unwilling to give up everything for it. He was unsure, is that a good ROI? He's a man of great wealth. Um, well, so let's examine ourselves about this. Have you found the hidden treasure of the kingdom? Do you know about the pearl of great price? If you've been in the church very long, the answer is definitely yes, you've heard about it. I've, I've mentioned this before about the great responsibility that we all have to believe because we've heard so much gospel truth. If you've been in the church for five years, 10 years, 15 years, you've heard the gospel thousands of times. Will God hold us more accountable when we have more knowledge? Yes, he will. It, will he hold us more accountable if we have more clear teaching? Yes. You know, there are people who are I believe believers, but they're in churches where the teaching is not clear and it's not it's not sound. And if the sheep of those people come out with some weird ideas, I think God understands that bad shepherds led them astray. But I mean when we hear Brother Eric teach these lessons every week, don't you feel like this is what the Bible is teaching? When we walk through books, 
we have the gospel explained to us again and again and again and again. So examine yourself. You know about the kingdom for sure. But what did you do when you heard about it? Did you sell everything in order to lay hold of it? And what should you do if you haven't? You say, I've heard about it, but I didn't buy it. What should you do? I mean, the, the, the teaching from the scripture is when people encounter the kingdom of God and the news of the gospel, they're encouraged. Oh, you don't know what to do? This is what you do. Repent. Believe the gospel, and you're in. They hear, brothers, whoa, they're cut to the heart. What should we do? Repent. That's what God wants. Believe. Be saved. And what the scripture teaches is urgency. You're right, it does. And we might say, that's 2,000 years ago, it doesn't seem that urgent. Your life is not going to be 2,000 years and what we read in scriptures, Matthew chapter 4, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. What's the encouragement? Urgency. You want to be part of the kingdom. Repent. Mark chapter 1, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Matthew chapter 16, whoever, we just mentioned this, whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, think about it some more. I'm going to look that up, baby. I want to see, if the, I want to see more about that. Um, But listen, if you do give up everything, you won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed. Whatever you have that prevents you from entering the kingdom of heaven, sell it and buy hidden treasure in the field. Luke chapter 18, verse 28, Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come. Eternal life. The disciples are asking him a question. Is it going to be worth it? We gave up everything. This is following the, the parable of the rich, not the parable, I guess, the story of the rich young ruler. He walks away sad, he's unable to do it, and the disciples say, we did do it. What about us? And Jesus said, don't worry, you're going to be extremely blessed. You won't be disappointed, but extremely blessed. Any other comments or Question? Yeah, just some of the economic principles. So both of these guys are investors. And so they're looking 
you think about if you if you invest in the stock market, some people think they're smart and they go and buy a stock, and their investment theory tells you usually that those are fools. And then other people realize they don't know anything, so they invest in a fund. And the fund takes people's money, and then they have someone who's supposedly smarter. And they buy the stocks, and then the fund owns the stocks. Mm -hmm. And so they're they're sort of subcontracting their investing to to um, another investor at a different level. And what you find is is that only a very 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 small, infinitesimally small, outperform just the average. And so generally, if you put your money in a fund like that, investment theory would say you're also a fool. Um, and so how do you invest? Well, what you want is to find a short thing. Mm -hmm. And both of these guys, when they found a short sure thing, said, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think that Jesus is saying everybody ought to be an investor. Right. And about <laughs> teaching you the capitalistic system of but this is the way humans are. Everybody is always an investor. And so I told my kids, don't let anybody ever tell you that something is good for you that you know is not. It better be good for you. You should do what's really good for you. You know what the best thing you can do for yourself would be? Follow Jesus. Is that self-interested? Yes, very much. And so... I think there, there's just there's a sort of built-in thing. If you find a sure thing, get on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there's a there's a commitment that there's a point. Um, there have been people who visited our church throughout the years, and people I've known personally too, that work sort of around the gospel and around the edges of the kingdom of God. But for some reason, they can never pull the trigger. They can never just do it. They they liked it. They, you know, this is the Bible talks about this sometimes. People who have tasted, and they're around the kingdom. They maybe even can speak the language of the kingdom, pray as the people of the kingdom, but they never commit. They never just go all in. Yes? Um, maybe it's extrapolating too far, I don't know, but um, I can picture like the guy with the field, you know, he sees a field and it's in the floodplain and it's next to the highway and and he tells his family, I'm going to buy that. And they're like, you're stupid, that's a terrible field, you know, but he he knows what, what that investment means. and. And then maybe even, you know, he gets his treasure and his life is improving. He's not going to build his house there. And so people are like, oh, he's doing pretty well. I wonder why. And he's like, I told you there's this great thing in this field. They're like, that's not the reason. I don't know, you know. So I think that, like, the, um, maybe some extended application would be that not everybody is going to see and support your decision to invest. And, um and that, like, for him to maintain his joy, you know, maybe it takes a while, but he has to keep going back and looking at the treasure and remembering, no, this really was a good investment. I've got to keep, you know, I've got to keep my focus 
on the kingdom instead of looking around at the world. You know, I have to read and pray and remind myself, no, it really is good, even though the world might not mm-hmm. support that belief. Well, in a, in a real sense, that Christianity is delayed gratification, right? I mean, are we blessed in the moment? Yes, but not. If this is all that it was, the promises of God are not being fulfilled. You know, Jesus is preparing a different place, a different kingdom. You know, when we read in the scriptures, and the scriptures talk about, they're looking for a better country, not this one. The, the one that we can't see, the one that Jesus said he was um, the king of, that world. Yeah, that's interesting. They, and others would say, what? You're going to give up everything and buy some random field? Are you, are you crazy? I can remember when Jen and I were getting ready to go to Cambodia, and I told my mom about it. And she was like, you're going to quit your job? She was like appalled at such an idea. And you have to make sacrifices in order to pursue things. But she didn't understand the value of it at the time. Let me give you an update on Brother Chang. Um, it's not exactly clear what is happening or what is wrong with him. In the past, he had a couple of stints put in, and he went to this place in Phnom Penh called the New World Heart Clinic. And whoever the doctor was, I don't know anything about this place at all. In the past, when he had it done, I didn't even know about it until it looked like a month after he had already had it done. Um, in this case, I got a text from him saying, pray for me, I'm going to the hospital, my heart hurts. Um, and then Kayleen was giving us some updates over Facebook Messenger. Well, she posted on Facebook for everybody, but um, it was Soda and, and Johnny and a few people and me were on a text stream about what was going on. And I don't understand this because I'm not a medical person. They were trying to see, is there another blockage? And if so, where, so they can do something about it. And they were putting catheter in, and he was in great pain, and they just stopped. And then gave him medicine and sent him home. I don't understand that. Can you, do you have any idea why they do this? Yes, sir. Sometimes he can't stent certain areas, so he probably does have another hmm. artery in his heart that's blocked, but... Depending on where his previous stints were, sometimes they can't actually get a stint into the right area. So they'll put people on like heparin or different drugs to try to improve it. But, but what does that do? Thin the blood? Oh, okay. And then it could be that an old stint is not working anymore. Sometimes the stints will actually like get a clot in them, so I don't know if that's what Okay. And he probably had. Sometimes when they inject the dye, the C, it'll cause chest pain, so they'll... He's allergic to the dye, um, so that's a problem for him. I'm not sure what they do in that case. Maybe I'll know. They probably just pre-medicate. I mean, they have to use dye. Just, yeah, so. he's allergic to it. But <clears throat> Well, so at this point, he's feeling better, which I'm not sure why he's feeling better, if they didn't actually do anything, but he's at home now. <laughs> 
pray for him and the whole situation. It would be better if he would go to Thailand, probably. Cambodians and Thai don't trust each other. He has a very difficult time going to Thailand. He thinks they will give him less better care, I think. He thinks that because they're Thai. Well, because they know he's Cambodian. Anyway, pray for him. I, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Um, up until this point, recently he said he's been feeling great. So let's pray for him, and then we'll be discussed. <laughs> Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for helping us to look at your word. Help us to understand it. We we understand some of it, and we want to understand more. And Lord, we pray that you. Help us to continue to commit and to continue to um, cling to the, the treasure of Jesus and your great love that comes through the gospel. Lord, we pray for our brother in Cambodia. We pray that you'd be with him and help him. Help doctors to understand what they should do. Help um, him to um, find some relief from the pain that he's been having. Oh, Lord, please bless the ministry there. Bless the ministry here. Bless us this morning as we worship. Help us to pay great attention to the things of the word and and to praise you with our sincere hearts. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.